Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas or at church1132.com. Paul Flanagan, he was 45 years of age when he received an absolute terrible diagnosis from the doctor that his cancer had spread and he was going to be dead in less than a year. Everyone, of course, responds differently to that type of calamity, that type of scenario. I don't know, what would you do? Think about that, what would you do? Well, the great theologian, his name is Tim McGraw, okay, he wrote a song specifically about that. And I'll sing it to you. I, I, I'm not going to. I went skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull name, Fu Manchu, all right? And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. You know, Paul made a powerful decision that he wanted his voice heard long after he was gone from this earth. You see, he had a five-year-old little boy named Thomas that adored him. He had a sweet, precious little girl, one and a half years of age, named Lucy. And he knew that these two were going to grow up without their daddy. So he made a plan and he executed that plan in the remaining days of his life. Although he was sick, his body was wasted away, he had very little energy, he used every bit of energy he could muster in just a few months that he had left to write notes, to make personalized videos, to sign cards, to buy gifts. Every birthday, every holiday, every first and last day of their schools, he planned something special to give them and encourage them. He had personalized, personalized videos that taught them his values, imparted his character to them. One day he even went with his wife to the jewelry store and bought little Lucy a ring, an eternity ring for her 21st birthday. He had planned out everything, left no stone unturned. He was committed to speaking life, giving direction to his children, even though he would be dead. The title of the message that I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart this morning is Grave Talkers. Grave Talkers. What in the world is a grave talker? A grave talker is a person who lives a life in a way that when they die, their life continues to speak. That when they die, their life continues to speak. Will you turn with me to the book of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. We know the book of Hebrews, and, uh, and, and the, the writer of Hebrews in this chapter, chapter 11, is the faith chapter. Some people call it the hall of faith. All right, It's the powerful men and women of faith. And, and in this particular verse, it's talking about Abel. You remember Cain and Abel were the children of Adam and Eve. Cain's offering to God was not accepted. Abel's offering to God was accepted. Cain was jealous and bitter, embittered toward his brother and murdered his brother. 
Now, this particular scripture talks specifically about Abel and the gift of faith that he gave to God. And it says in verse 4, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, listen to this now, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Abel still speaks even though he is dead. You see, Abel is a grave talker. He's someone who lived a life of faith that even though he is dead, that faith still lives. You know, sociologist Tony Campolo says this. In a study, he studied 50 different people who were 95 years of age or older. And he asked the question, he said, if you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? I think that's a pretty powerful question for a group of 95 years age old women and men, okay? What would you differently? And from all the answers they gave, there were three that came to the top. The first one is that if I had to do it all over again, I'd reflect more. The second one, if I had to do it all over again, I'd risk more. I believe that's a word for the Lord from the Lord today. Some of us need to risk. I mean, we're not 95. Let's risk it. Come on, we got to risk to do something great. <clears throat> Thirdly, I want you to listen to this. If I had to do it all over again, these 95-year-old plus individuals, 50 of them, said I would do more things that would live on after I die. I would do more things that would live on after I die. You know, many of us strive for success when we should search for significance. We're striving, we're pressing, we're wanting to have success. And really, it's not about success. Success will die. Many, many of us strive for success and we should search for significance. You think about Gandhi. He was about significance. You, you, you think about Rosa Parks and the decisions she made and stood against racism. It was significance. When Ronald Reagan said, tear down this wall, took communism down, it was significance. Muhammad Ali, although he was the greatest boxer of all time, he had a whole bunch more in his package that he wanted to, to, to be significant in his life. You might have a grandparent that even though they're gone, their significance still lives in you. you. You can just hear what they say. You can see their life and you go, man, I want to be like granddad. I want to be like grandma. And you know what they lived and it, and it leads you. See, they're literally grave talkers. You might have a friend or a parent, a loved one, a coach, a teacher that went on. But you know that their influence still lives in you. You see, the success dies. Success dies. But significance survives. You have to remember that. We can load up all the money in the world and we can put it, we can put it in our casket. Bottom line, it ain't going with us. Success dies, but significance survives. 
You know, all these two guys, although these two guys are contemporaries, they lived at the same time. They were far from the same. Max Duke, he was a crude backwoodsman, known for his hard living, his tough life, his weak moral character. It, <clears throat> there was a study done with these two, two gentlemen looking at their legacies. And his legacy marked as many, many, many children, and many of them were illeg illegitimate. They found that there were 709 people, okay, in his legacy, that included 280 paupers, 140 criminals, 60 thieves, 60 murderers, 128 prostitutes, with three of them, excuse me, 300 of them dying early. Now, Jonathan Edwards, the famous preacher, living an upstanding, godly life. He left behind 1,394 descendants, including 100 lawyers. Not sure that's a great thing, but a hundred lawyers. <laughs> Just joking. I know we have a couple, you crazy guys here, ladies. Thirty judges, thirteen college presidents, a hundred college professors, sixty-two physicians, and sixty authors. You see, significance speaks long after you're dead. It speaks long after you're dead. What do you think your life? will say once you're gone. You ever thought about that? What do you think your life will say once you're gone? I want to give you four steps this morning. You can write these down. Four steps this morning to learn how to be, become a grave talker. I think we want our lives to be significant. We want our lives to make a difference. We want our lives to count. The, the old soap opera. Not that I'm a soap opera watcher, okay? <laughs> That you have one life to live, all right? One life to live. We have one life to live. We need to do something with it, all right? The, the first step to becoming a grave talker is that of you need to define your message. Define your message. You don't just become a grave talker. You have got to be intentional when you become a, to, to become a grave talker. And in order to do that, you've got to find out what is the message that's important to you. What is the message that you want to pass on? All right. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. For when David had served God's purpose, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. That means he died. All right. He was buried with his fathers in his, thanks for the info, his body decayed. All right. So David served God's purpose in his own generation, then he died. Okay, an assignment for all of my students here today, all right? An assignment. This is a fill-in-the-blank fill assignment, all right? I want God to allow me to stay alive until I blank. I want God to allow me to stay alive until I what? What is it? Make $10 million? See all my grandchildren get saved? Uh, start a church in Africa? I don't know. What is it that is upon your heart that you have got to stay alive in order for it to be accomplished? A few questions that I'll ask you to help you. What difference do you want to make in this world? What difference do you want to make 
in this world? What do you feel like your purpose is? What are you passionate about? This is a great practical question. What do you want people to say at your funeral? And I'm not talking about lying. I'm talking about truth, all right? I've been to those funerals where we have to, well, well, he was a okay guy, you know. I'm talking about what do you want people to say at your funeral? Fill in the blank. What's the message of your life? Is it that you're a hard worker? That you love people well? Your loving wife, a loving mother, a great provider, a man of prayer? What is it that's, that's your life message? That you're generous to the church? You've won many people to Jesus? You have a servant's heart? Is that your life message? That you have a servant's heart? Maybe that you've raised up many leaders around you and, re and, and you've reproduced them. I don't know what your life message is, but you need to find out. No you need to find out what your life message is. When you take a close look at your life, okay? Take a close look at your life as you're living it right now, all right? As you're living it right now. Is it the life message that you want to eventually speak from the grave? Hello, it's quiet. <laughs> is it? The, me the life message, the way you're living right now, is that the life message that you want to speak from the grave? If it isn't, we've got great news. You get to change it. You get to decide what your life message is. So you've got, to, you've got to decide on what your life message is. Secondly, decide what your audience is. All right? Define your message, but then you've got to decide who's your audience? Who are you speaking to? Who is, who is it that you want to impart with the life message that you have? Psalm chapter 71, verse 18. Now that I am old and gray, and this is not about me, all right? <laughs> now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O oh God. Let me proclaim your power to this next, this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. I love this passage for a number of reasons. But this passage, one verse, okay, literally describes David's audience and David's message. Okay, the mess, the, the audience is to this new generation, to all who come after me. He clearly says who his audience is, this new generation and all who come after me. But then he also gives the message that he's going to give to the audience. Let me proclaim your power. Let me proclaim your power, your mighty miracles. And so within this passage, we see that David has an audience and he has a message. John Maxwell, the, the uh, leadership guru, he says, your leadership can be judged by the people you develop rather than the things you achieve. People over things. People over possessions. Your audience has to be about people. You know, as a future grave talker that I am, all right, I, I, as a future grave talker that I am, I want my bloodline, my children, my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and on, 
I want the church that I influence, anybody in the kingdom that I influence. I want the, the world, okay, that I desire to be saved. I want them to know four things about me. And you'll see audience, okay, in these four things. And you'll see message in these four things. First of all, that I lived a kingdom first or God first lifestyle. God first. God first. It's about the kingdom. It's not about me. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's what the scripture says. Secondly, that I cultivated a healthy marriage that would be an example to the world of Christ's relationship with his bridegroom. Do you see that? Now, we have to understand the Bible tells us that, that we are the bride and he is the bridegroom. And there is a reason why there is an onslaught against biblical marriage. And the reason is it confuses and distorts the pure relationship that Christ has with us, the bride and the bridegroom. So if we can confuse that, if we can break marriages up, then what we can do, then what happens, the enemy feels like he can break up the testimony of our relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? And so it's very important. It's very important for me and Lisa to be able to have the marriage that is a witness to this world of marriage, a witness of our relationship with God. Thirdly, that I'd raise children with my wife, Lisa, that live kingdom first. They live kingdom first life. You see, reproducing, you see, that was part of what my heart is. Kingdom first. I want my children to have kingdom first lives and that are devoted worshipers of God and that marry kingdom first mates. You see, this is my heart's desire. This is a message that I have. This is an audience that, that I have. I was thinking about my children the other day and, and I was, I was uh, thinking about even Stephen, my firstborn, and, and Sarah and Hannah and each one of them when, when I would... Uh, hold them even when they were a day old. God bless their ears, but I would sing, okay? And I and I would and I would worship God with them. I felt like if I had them close to my heart and I was spilling my heart and inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit and worship, and I would say, God, make my son, make my daughters worshipers of you. In recent days, it hasn't been as much on me as it had in the past as they've grown up. But just a few weeks ago, we were out there on the front row and, and I was looking over and I looked at all three of my kids and lo and behold, they're pressing in, they're worshiping, they've got their hands lifted high and they're close. And, I, and the Lord reminded me, remember, you prayed for years for your son. You prayed for years for your daughters to be worshipers. You see, there's an audience there. And there's a message there. The last thing is that I, that, that I would help Christian leaders experience healthy lives. Christian strategic leaders. That I could help them uh, experience healthy lives. Help them have healthy marriages. Help them have healthy children. In hopes that these leaders would eventually influence multitudes. So if you want your life to speak from the grave. You must first of all define your message. Secondly, Decide who your audience and thirdly, determine your strategy. 
you got to have a strategy. You can't just have an audience. You can't just have a message. You have to have some type of strategy. How are you going to impart your message to your audience? Is it going to be person to person? On a daily basis? On a weekly basis? How is that going to be? Is it going to be that you're going to impart your message to your audience through a book? Is it going to be that you, you're going to impart your message to your audience through developing some type of curriculum or doing a daily or weekly blog? Or maybe through your legacy, your, your, your heritage, your bloodlines, your family. My dad, uh, when he was turning, he was around 80 years of age, so four or five years ago, I remember he kept talking about writing things and writing stories. And I kept, what are you talking about? I'm just writing stories, just writing stories. And so finally I pulled him and said, Dad, what is the deal? What are you writing? What is it? He says, well, I'm writing my life stories. I'm like, what are you, what? What is that? He says, stories about how God touched my life and my family and the faith that we have, the church that we love, and how God has moved in our, in our hearts. And I said, why are you doing that? Don't you remember? It happened to you. He said, I have five children. I have 16 grandchildren. They all know me. They know my values. They know my integrity. They, my, they, know, my heart. they know my heart for God. They know my love for the church. They know my love for the Bible. But my grandchildren don't know me. And they're not going to know me unless I give them my stories. You see, he has a message has an audience, he's got a strategy, one of his strategies. 2 Timothy 2.2, you've heard me teach things that you have been confirmed by many, that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, so you've heard me teach these things. Now, teach, you teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You see, he's got a strategy. He's got the, the message of these things, these truthful things, okay, that in the book of Timothy that Paul's writing, all right, to Timothy. And he's saying, now, I've taught you these. Now, I want you to teach them to trustworthy people that will teach them to trustworthy people that will teach them to trustworthy people. You see, he's seeing succession as his strategy. Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 and 2. These are the commands, decrees, the laws of the Lord your God directed me to teach you. Now, he says, so, no, to teach you so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. You see succession again. I'm teaching these to you. You teach them to your children and, and have them teach them to their children. You see, there's a strategy there. I don't know what your strategy is, but whatever your strategy is, it must be intentional. It must be intentional. One of the strategies that I had many years ago was to, to, to be a grave talker, is to leave something behind, okay, after I'm dead. And so Lisa and I started a church 23 years ago that eventually this is what we are, okay? We started with about 10 people, okay? 10 people that, 
that I must have been a great leader to gather all 10 of them, okay, with one vision when I was 30 years of age or whatever it was. And, and I call them the 10 suckers, okay? So, and so, and, but we believed hard, you know, we worked hard, but we had no sponsoring church, no spiritual covering, we had no money, we had no support, we had no understanding of how to plant a church, all we had was a vision and energy. And we were willing to capitalize on both. And even though it was very, very difficult, especially the first 10 years, we, and then finally we got a property. It's the building over there. We're so excited. Our first property, our first, we've been renting little things. and It's just difficult times of, of having a difficult time making payroll, having a difficult time hiring people that we need. It, it, it was a very tough time. I remember one time, Donald remember this, that, that we, went, we sent a postcard out to a large portion of people. I don't know, 10,000, 20,000 people. We were so excited, you know? And I mean, I had a great sermon, you know, a series that we we're promoting in this church. This, and and I'm, I, this is, I mean, honest to God, okay? We had more people call and complain about the card in the mail than we had come to church. And that is the truth. That is the truth. It was tough sledding. It was. We came here about 10 years ago, five years into it. Honestly, the, the year 15 to 20, man, it was, we're moving forward. It started, finally, we're going, thank you, Lord. We sowed and sowed and sowed, and now you're finally. And I mean, many times I wanted to like quit. I'm, gonna, I'm tired of this. I don't want this. You know, but then January would come up and I'd fast again and get a fresh word and believe some more and we'd get a little bit of results, you know? And, uh, and it would just get, keep us hopeful. Let me tell you, I will say this. Through these times, there were some of the sweetest times we've ever had in our lives. Sweet, precious, close to God time. And then, so as the church is thriving, you know, we're hitting our 20-year mark and that's the time when we turn the leadership over to Pastor Doug, Dustin, and Jamie. You know, and so, and now, a few years into it, he now asked us if we would like to be the pastors of the first satellite from the church that we planted. It, only God could do this kind of stuff, all right? Okay? I mean, really, it is. It's, it's kind of wild. And so we're excited about that. But there are a couple questions. If I were in your seat, I would be asking me, and here's the first one. Why would you give up leadership of a healthy, thriving, growing young church like you did? And it goes back to my number one message, kingdom first. Right? Isn't that what we say? So I don't know what your message is. It's my message. That's my message. Kingdom first. I want to be about kingdom first. Then you might say, Okay, well, why would you start all over with a new church? You know, why would you do that? Another value, legacy. Legacy. When Lisa and I are dead and gone, this church will still be here. Okay? When Donna Kent and Creighton and, Creighton and the 10 other people who started 
this church. When they're dead and gone, guess what? This church will be still thriving expression of Christ fellowship. You see, it's part of legacy. It will continue to talk even when I'm in the grave. And so now, yeah, so why would you do the Wiley thing? Because I want to build something that will talk when I'm in the grave. Do you see what I'm saying? We have some of the best people in the Wiley group. I'm not, we already have 75, uh, 75 people, adults, and they are some of the coolest people. We are so excited about doing life with them. And let me just say this. If you have a difficult time, are you wanting to, to incorporate a strategy of building and starting something from scratch, okay, that will be here when you die, why don't you come be a part of it with us? You come, there is nothing like starting a church, starting from scratch, starting and being in the foxhole with brothers and sisters. There's no days that you take off. There's no loafing. There are no off days. Man, you're on, you're on, and you're on. That's what it's about. So we're not looking for sitters. We're looking for leaders. We're not looking for loafers. We're looking for pioneers. And so if you want to be a grave talker by coming with us to Wiley, that strategy, come, be a part of it. I think you have a website. I think we have an email, Spencer, Spencer at church1132.com. You just tell us, and we have, we have our next meeting next Sunday. You come be a part of it. But it is an awesome thing, and it is a strategy for being a grave talker. Lastly, okay, you got a message, got an audience, you got a strategy, now you got to dedicate your life to it. Fourthly, you have to dedicate your life to it. If we want our lives to speak from the grave, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to take a great deal of dedication, faith, and commitment. The beginning verse that we started with, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. People won't remember what you said. They will remember what you did. What are you doing? I'm not asking you what your theory is. What your vision statement is. Those are all great, okay? But I'm asking you what you're doing. What are you doing? You see, faith without works is dead. We can say we have faith, all this. But let me tell you, he's saying right here, faith, faith, faith. But we understand scriptures clearly says it's by our works that confirms our faith. Faith without works is dead. And so we can know that we have faith in something or someone by the way we are acting, what we're doing. And so faith without works is dead. And in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7, I love this passage. It says, a righteous man who walks in, his, in, in, walks in integrity. That doesn't say a righteous man who had a good day, okay? A righteous man who had a pure, a pure hour. A righteous man, okay, that had an integrous month. He says this, a righteous man who walks in integrity. It's a continual walking in integrity. He says, how blessed 
are his sons after him. You see, the audience is blessed, okay, by the lifestyle that we live. One thing that I've learned in my quest to build a, a, a godly legacy is that the life that I lead is the legacy that I leave. The life that I lead is the legacy that I leave. But I want to have this legacy and I want this to leg. No, 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 no. What is the life you're leading? The life that we lead will determine the legacy that we will leave. Legacy, listen to me, legacy doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen by us living, by accident, or just because, you know, we made an effort or something. It doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. It's up to you to determine what type of legacy that you're going to leave. You know, live your life today the way you want them to speak about you tomorrow. You hear me? Live your life today the way you want them to speak about you tomorrow. Don't waste your life. Don't do it. So many of us waste our lives with regret. Focusing on loss. Focusing on what could have been. Many of us waste our lives by having unforgiveness. Many of us waste our life by focusing on the past hurts, pains, loss, disappointments. And instead of us focusing on our future, instead of us focusing on wanting to be grave talkers, living our life in a way that will bring forth a great legacy even after we're gone, we focus on the past. We focus on the hurts. We focus on the pain. Some of us have real warped views of what God's vision for our life is. Don't waste your life. The Bible clearly says, what does it say? Forget what lies behind, right? Forget what lies behind. Press on to what lies ahead. Let's go ahead and do it. All that junk, all that loss, all that disappointment, all that stuff that we carry, can we just lay it at the feet of Jesus? Can we just understand that he has bottled our tears? You, you, you weren't going through that pain and that hurt and loss without him. Every tear that you cried, the psalmist says, he bottled your tears. He collected them. He measured them. He knows your pain. He knows the hurt. He knows the struggle that you've gone through. And he says, cast your care on me because I care for you. Cast your care on me because I care for you. I want to close with three truths very quickly. The first one, it's never too late to build your legacy. It's never too late. I don't care where you are, what you've done, the failures of the past, or how old you are. It's never too late to begin to build your legacy. He is the Lord of time. He redeems time. He can redeem time for you. It's never too late. Secondly, it's never too early to start building your legacy. And a whole bunch of young people in the first service. I don't know why they're there. We, maybe we make them come. I don't know. But it, it's awesome. I mean, they're all fired up. If you're missing out, if you're not in the 830 service, I'm just telling you, it's fresh. It's good. And I looked at them and I said, it's never too early. 
to start building your legacy. It's kind of like the whole you give, you, you put $25 in your savings account every month when you're 20 years of age for the rest of your life or till you're 60 and you use compound interest and you'll end up being a millionaire. It's, that, it's never too early to start building your legacy. Finally, you can change the legacy that you came from. You can change it. You can change the legacy. You're not stuck. Just because your family wasn't what it should have been or what it needed to be doesn't mean you're stuck. You can change your legacy. It's interesting to me, yes it is, it's interesting to me that he calls us adopted into his kingdom. He says you are sons and daughters of the king, sons and daughters of the savior, sons and daughters of the faith. We've literally been adopted. We've been given a new name. You see, there's a new legacy. And so no matter where you come from, there's a new legacy God's passing on to you. Your heavenly father is passing that legacy on to you. You don't have to be stuck with where you've come from. You can be excelled, advanced to what God has for you. So a few years ago, I turned 50 years of age. So I decided, yeah, so I decided, thank you, thank you, thank you. So I decided to throw myself a birthday party. I did. I did. Invited the whole church. Y'all come on out. We threw a big birthday party, had fajitas, had some dancing. It was fun. Uh, charged everybody $5 to come to my birthday party. Oh, yes, I bet you've never done that. Okay. The highlight of the birthday for me, in addition to having the hundreds of people that were there celebrate with me, was I asked my dad to come and just say something. And my dad gets up and he tells me happy birthday and he begins to share about his message okay his message grave talking message about loving God and loving the church and loving God's word in marriage no divorce I mean he, he began to start sharing the message of his life that he's been imparting to his five children and 16 grandchildren and right there right then he looked at me and he ended the time. He got a little makeshift baton, you know, like in a relay race, a baton. I honestly think it was a toilet roll, okay? <laughs> honestly, I really do. It wrapped up or something in something, you know. It, it, it wasn't wrapped up in toilet paper, I know that. So, like wrapping paper or something. But it was a baton. He says, I have the baton of our legacy. And he said, Stevie... I give it to you. And he says, pass it on. Pass it on. My children right there. Pass it on. I went home and had a little batad. And I looked at it and he writes words just as bad as I do. Just chicken scratch. And he wrote there with a sharpie. Okay. And he says, don't drop it. It was on the batad. Don't drop it. Listen to me. God, your father, just as my earthly father 
has passed the baton to me and says, pass it on, don't drop it. Your heavenly Father has passed the baton to you. He says, take it. This is for you. Pass it on. Don't drop it. You have his legacy. We have his legacy that we can pass on. I don't know about you, but when I'm dead and gone, I want to be a grave talker. Man, I want my life and what God has done in my life, I want it to echo to the audiences of my life that they would know what I stood for and that they would continue to live out the things that God has taught me. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.